everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Driven by Cause. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Ariva and Microsoft, as the industry's only completely integrated and fully automated, all-in-one digital fundraising, donor relationship management, healthcare hospitality, and auction software platform. I'd like to give a warm hello to my fantastic co-host, Jay Fisk. Jay, how are you today? As always, David, I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, Jay, I'm doing great. Thanks. It's great to be here today, and I would like to introduce our fabulous guest, Ann Wallstead. Ann is the founder of Ann Wallstead Coaching and previously served as the CEO of BoardSource, a globally recognized nonprofit focused on board staff partnerships. Wow, that's actually amazing. She has written <laughs> a number of pieces on purpose driven by board leadership and is considered an expert on identifying and putting in place successful strategies for partnerships between executive leadership and board members. Thank you for being here today, Anne. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, you know, let's get ahead and get started. This is really exciting. Um, Anne, our audience has really been waiting for you to come on board. I could show you that. There's a lot of enthusiasm. And could you share with our listeners some information about yourself and how you got started in the nonprofit industry? Sure. Well, um, my story in terms of how I got started um, working in nonprofits is probably not dissimilar from a lot of um, folks uh, that are listening to the podcast. I sort of um, fell into it, um, but I but I was a little intentional about it. I was a college student graduating from school, and I just had this sense of um, I wanted to make a difference in the world. I wanted to feel like I was um, doing something that mattered, and I wanted to really do good in my community. And so um, I got my uh, start working in a small youth development organization uh, in the town that I went to school in. Um, and very, very quickly saw how incredibly important um, to community, to individuals and families, um, the work of the nonprofit sector was. I also got a crash course in how important nonprofit boards are because the organization that I was working with went through a really, really um, tough time where had our board not been willing to step in and really save the organization, we wouldn't have made it through. Um, so uh, I was really fortunate that my first role not only was a great learning experience and career experience, but it convinced me that uh, I really wanted to stay uh, in the nonprofit sector. And so I spent 25 years um, working uh, in a number of different national and local nonprofits. And I would say really came to center on that idea of how do we support leaders, both board leaders and staff leaders to be as effective as possible. And part of that is to sustain themselves in the work that they're doing. And so, as you mentioned in the intro, I transitioned out of my role at BoardSource just shy of a year ago um, and at that time launched uh, a leadership coaching practice that really is focused on supporting other nonprofit CEOs um, and philanthropic leaders. Um, so my work is very different now than it was a year ago um, in terms of what I'm doing, but my sense of purpose and what I'm focused on has really not changed. That's fantastic. Well, we're, we're glad uh, that you carved a little bit of time out for us and our listeners today. Uh, we'd like to get drilled down a little bit deeper on, on uh, various topics relative to board. You mentioned board source. Can you share with our listeners the mission of board source 
and what your goals were stepping into the organization. And, and also tell us a little bit more about what led you to begin your own coaching practice. Sure. Um, and I'll, I'll try and be succinct. And you just tell me if there are places that you're curious and going a little bit deeper. Um, yeah. So as I mentioned, um, BoardSource is an organization that I was really proud um, to be a part of for more than 14 years and that I had the honor of leading as our CEO um, from 2013 to 2022. Uh, and BoardSource uh, really envisions a future where the nonprofit community has the leadership it needs to fulfill its purpose and create a just world where all can thrive. And so its mission in support of that vision um, is to inspire and support nonprofit boards and executives to lead justly and with purpose. And um, we as an organization did that and, and they continue to do that through research, through thought leadership, and then really practical supports and guidance to help boards strengthen their governance and live into their leadership in a way that is fully aligned um, with their organizational values and purpose. Uh, and I'll say, I guess, in terms of organizational goals, we went through a ton of change in those 10 years that I was CEO and those 14 years that I was at the organization. Um, and when I reached a moment and we reached a moment where I felt like the organization was poised for even greater things um, under a new leader, that was the, the moment for me to start thinking about, well, what does that mean for me and where do I want to go next and what's my best way um, to continue to do what I really care about, which is supporting leaders, um, but, you know, maybe have an opportunity to do that in a, in a little bit of a different way. And that's what led me um, to launch the coaching practice. Um, and I have to say, it's been incredibly rewarding to get to go so deep with nonprofit leaders and really work with them individually to support um, what they're trying to achieve within their organizations and themselves as leaders. And as part of identifying, you know, while you're drilling down now as you're coaching, mm -hmm. are there any major struggles you see executive directors of the nonprofits facing in the present right now that are pretty common? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I would say about that is leading an organization, any organization is hard and leading a nonprofit organization when you know you're struggling often for resources um, you're operating in a dynamic environment where um, there are lots of lots of changes around every corner um, you're trying to think creatively about how to use resources for maximum impact you're working to address really tough intractable you know societal problems um, it's hard and it's it's sort of always been hard. I think what's unique in this moment is that um, the, the context is even more in flux um, and uh, even more dynamic. We're seeing, you know, as a society as a whole post pandemic or as a result of the pandemic, you know, major, major changes in terms of the workforce and the way that um, organizations operate. That's not just about virtual work. That's about sort of the relationship between, um, you know, employees and employers and nonprofit executive directors are in the middle of that and trying to make sense of that for themselves and for their organizations and thinking through, you know, who do we need to be as an organization? Who do I need to be as a leader to ensure that my organization, you know, not just survives this, but moves through this with real integrity and a sense of um, intentionality about, you know, what kind of 
organization and employer they want to be, what kind of relationship they want to be in um, with their team members. And so I think that's that's a big burden. Um, it's exciting. <laughs> and I think, you know, a lot of the leaders that I'm working with feel that sense of um, kind of a generative moment and, you know, uh, a lot of pressure to be their best selves as leaders in as many moments as possible. Yeah. Not well, you've obviously trained a lot of nonprofit leaders and uh, they have to be both resilient and they have to also be effective. Do you have any tips for our listeners on how a nonprofit leader could be both effective and resilient? And are they are are, are they at odds with each other, or do they mm. do do they reside uh, in in the same in the same place, so to speak? Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it. Um, and I don't know that I have a a particularly expert or data driven response to that question, but I but I can share what I what I see anecdotally. Um, you know both in the work that I was doing at BoardSource and the work that I'm doing now, I think they're mutually reinforcing. Um, I think that, you know, at least the way that I define effectiveness is a sense of um, thoughtful and intentional forward progress. (laughs) Um, And I think that when leaders experience their organizations moving forward um, in a way that is high impact, that leads to our own resilience as leaders. Um, They are, however, distinct. Um, And I think that there are ways in which um, we can sort of get addicted to impact. Um, Not to say that we should try and shed that, but, but, you know, so pushing ourselves, our organizations, our teams to have more and more impact that we're doing it at the expense of the of the people, including ourselves. Um, So I think that the thing that feels different and important to me, and this comes up a lot in coaching is, you know, how does each leader think about their own, um, you know, sort of cultivating their own self-awareness about what they need to sustain themselves as a leader and feeding themselves those things. And it's not one size fits all. So I think, you know, a lot of what's happening um, in coaching work is deep reflection about, you know, when do I do, when do I feel a sense of balance or when do I feel a sense of joy or a sense of um, uh, sustainability as a leader? And when do I feel unraveled? When do I feel like it's too much? When do I feel like I'm not showing up as my best self? What are the patterns around that? And what can I do to sort of reinforce the positive patterns and disrupt the negative ones? Wow. That's not a silver bullet. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> it's no, not that was easy. Yeah, no, that was a lot. Well, you know, continue, a lot of good information in there. Yeah, you know, and to continue doing that about the executive directors, I, I think it's also really interesting when you're bringing on a board. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, it's not. It, it's really. It's not easy. Always working with boards, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different opinions, and a lot of people come on the boards for many, many different reasons. Do you have any suggestions to the executive directors in developing a really successful relationship? And I'll say with all of them. Mm. Yeah. Well, one thing that that um, I guess I would say from the start, and it's a it's a nugget embedded into your question. Um, so many of the challenges that boards face and that executives face in partnership with their boards is about lack of role understanding or lack of alignment in terms of role expectations. And so, you know, really spending the time as a board in partnership with the executive director or CEO defining 
how do we see the board's role in this organization? What does being a great board member for this organization look like? And how do we continue to reinforce that with anyone and everyone that we're talking to about the possibility of serving on our board? So that you're really being intentional about who you're bringing onto the board and who perhaps you're not bringing onto the board um, and ensuring that you are bringing folks in who are up for what the organization is really asking for of of, of them. Um, and I think that it doesn't solve every problem or challenge, but I do think that um, it solves many of them or heads them off um, before they become a bigger issue because you have a common understanding, a common language for what are we trying to do here as a board. Beyond that and sort of unique to the relationship between the executive and the board, um, you know, I think the, the, the headline that I would say is really view them as what they are or what they can be, which is valued partners, both as a collective and as individual people. Um, and that means investing time, you know, in the board as as a group, but also each individual board member and taking the time to understand who they are, what they care about, why they're there, you know, why the organization's work really matters to them. Um, I think that that relationship helps to cultivate trust, which is just the absolutely most essential ingredient for a, a really healthy um, board staff partnership is, is trust. Um, there's a unique role, I think, there for um, the relationship between the chief executive and the board chair. Um, we at BoardSource used to talk about making sure that there are no surprises. Um, that's a really important factor in terms of that relationship that, you know, the, the chief executive or the executive director is really letting the board in in terms of these are important things that are coming up and I want to make sure that you see them coming. Um, on that, uh, or sort of building on that, I think also being really intentional and thoughtful about their role as deeply invested volunteers and understanding you want to try and use the limited time that they have available to maximum effect. Um, there's a great book called Governance as Leadership that BoardSource published years ago um, that talks about that a lot. And it's it's both how that's how you get the most out of the board for the benefit of the organization. It also happens to make the experience of being a board member much more enjoyable because the time spent feels really valuable and, um, you know, like time that you can afford to give to that organization rather than the many other places that you could choose to spend your time. Uh, related to that, I think that sometimes as executive directors and CEOs, we don't think about that limited time and what it takes for a board member to really add value. Uh, and so we shortchange things like um, sending board materials really far in advance or far enough in advance that they can actually be read and consumed and really being thoughtful about what information is most salient to a particular conversation. Um, so information overload is something that maybe doesn't seem like a big challenge or problem, but I actually think it's one of the places that relationships break down because um, it makes it really tough for board members to make sense of what's most important. And then that can easily make an executive director or CEO feel like my time, my insights, my work are not being valued. So it, it sounds logistical but actually can end up being um, one of the places that trust breaks down. So I'm sure there's a lot more I could say, but let yeah. me pause there. <laughs> I'd like to follow yeah. up on, on David's yeah, sure. uh, question, if you don't mind. One of the things that I've discovered in, in my work with uh, with nonprofits is that 
often we end up with board members who think that their major contribution is having their name on the letterhead. <laughs> and they don't quite understand that there's a deeper requirement than that uh, mm -hmm. to, to be active. How, how can an executive director or CEO train, if you will, a board member that their role is is beyond having that? I mean, they're probably so excited to have that, you know, leader and then the uh, the business leader or the leader in the community to be a board member. But how can the executive sort of set the the tone, if you will, or train or uh, set expectation of that board member that no, we need a little bit more out of you. We'd like we'd like you to be uh, available when we do our fundraising, as an example. We'd like you to actually be a table host or, or help us get auction items or connect us to uh, to, to sponsors. Uh, that's that that's that's a tough thing to do. Do you have any tips on on uh, on how an executive could go about doing that? Yeah, I think that's such an important question, and you're absolutely right. Um, it happens all the time, and it it it. Um, it is a place where that trust um, or sense of partnership can really rupture. Uh, and I think, you know, you sort of, you, you, you planted the, the seed or the clue there in the way that you asked the question, which is around setting expectations. And I think it goes back to that role understanding and being really clear as part of the recruitment process, here's what we're looking for. And the mistake that I see a lot of executive directors or members of the governance committee, if they're the frontline, you know, sort of board recruitment um, liaisons is underselling the responsibility. Um, you know, so we see and hear folks saying things like, oh, you don't have to do that much, or it's, yeah. oh, it's not that big of a time commitment, or right. we won't ask anything of you. We just want you, you know, we just want to say you're on the board. Right. And then being frustrated that yeah. the board member um, took that at face value and, yeah. you know, sort of delivers exactly what they were asked to do. Um, so I think it really starts there, you know, talking about board membership, board services, this is a really big job. We hope it's joyful. Um, we know it's meaningful and it's a big commitment. And here's what we mean when we say, you know, big commitment. We want you to be at every board meeting. We want you to be prepared to engage. We want you to participate in the events that we're having in the community, fundraising or otherwise, you know, and being really specific right. about here's what being a great board member for our organization looks like. Love it. Thank you. Thanks for the follow-up on that. Mm -hmm. Well, this leads to the, I, I know you wrote an extremely highly regarded article for the Stanford Social Innovation Review, and I think it was titled The Four Principles of Purpose-Driven Board Leadership. Would you define the term pur purpose-driven board leadership and identify what those four principles are? And then sure. Mind, which I would love it. Um why it's important for a board to function under this mindset. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, if it's okay with you, I'm going to answer it in a slightly different um, order, Absolutely. just because I think that may make more sense. Yeah, um, sure. So in the article, for those that haven't read it, um, and it came out in March 2021, um, and is still available for free if folks are interested in, in reading it, you can get to it both on the board source website and from um, SSIR.org. Um, but we, I shared in the article some of the, at that point in time, most recent um, board source research, which 
documented that boards were demonstrating some sort of troubling trends, and some of them were longstanding trends. So um, just to name a few of them, one is boards do tend to be preoccupied with fundraising above all else. And board members were responding that that was, you know, essentially the most important area of board responsibility above even things uh, like thinking strategically as a board or planning organizational strategy. Um, we found that boards are disconnected from the people and communities they serve. Half of all of the CEOs that we survey said they did not have the right board members to establish trust with the communities they serve. Mm. Um, we found that they were ill-informed about the ecosystems in which their organizations are operating. Only 25% of boards said that knowledge of an organization's worker field was important or a priority in board recruitment. And um, we found that boards are very much lacking in racial and ethnic diversity, um, both being overwhelmingly white with 78% of board members being white and then 19% of boards that were all white, meaning not a single board member, board member of color on the entire board. And I share that context because it was the context that I and we were thinking about as we came up with um, sort of the the encouragement, the thinking behind the idea of a purpose-driven uh, board. Uh, and so the way that we talked about what it meant to be a purpose-driven board was an emphasis on these four principles. So one is purpose before organization. So understanding that your organization does not exist to exist. You exist for a higher calling or purpose. There is something that um, you were founded or that you exist to do that goes beyond, you know, sort of the four walls or four virtual walls of your organization and really challenging or inviting board members to center on that when they think about, you know, sort of um, decision making, sense making, um, deciding what's best um, to think about the purpose as the the thing that needs deference or that needs primacy versus the organization and its organizational success. The second is respect for ecosystem. So understanding that none of our organizations exist in a vacuum. And in fact, we, we exist within and depend upon the other sort of players um, and systems in which we are kind of sharing water. Um, and so that means other nonprofit organizations, certainly it means the public policy environment, it means the funding environment, it means what's happening in our um, sort of geographic region uh, and the, the sort of issues and challenges there. And that organizations and their boards need to be really thoughtful about um, trying to be an ecosystem player, meaning so kind of related to purpose before organization, but with an ecosystem lens, how do we think about what is operating within our ecosystem and what it would take for the ecosystem overall to be its most healthy? Um, and how do we make sure that what we're doing contributes to the health of our ecosystem rather than sort of degrading it um, and uh, kind of layering that on top of this idea of purpose before organization? 
And then the final two principles, which are very interdependent, and I would say all of these are interdependent, um, are equity mindset and authorized voice and power. Um, and they are uh, mutually reinforcing but distinct. So equity mindset is really about understanding that each of our organizations is operating within a society that has systemic inequities in it. And what are we as organizations responsible for as we think about um, sort of mitigating or undoing the impacts of those systemic inequities? And how do we make sure that we as organizations and our programs are not reinforcing them? Related but distinct is how do we think about who holds power in our organization, both at a board and a staff level? and ensuring that that power is really authorized, um, trusted, shared with the people and communities we seek to serve so that we are not separate from doing for, but one of part of doing with. Um, and these principles together as a collective were really our best thinking about what will it take for boards to really be well positioned to lead their organizations, not just now, but into the future, particularly in the context of a world where we're really doing deep interrogation of the idea of charity, you know, the idea of um, organizations doing on behalf of, and how do we ensure that boards are um, not just um, well-equipped to do that, but really leading. And so that was our definition of what it means to be a purpose-driven board. It's uh, a board that's well-positioned to lead into um, a different future and hopefully a much better one. Wow. That's great. You know, you've devoted uh, your time and service around LGBTQ equality. Where do you see the future of this movement heading and what changes would you like to see? Yeah, so I worked um, I worked in two different national LGBTQ organizations uh, earlier in my career, but I'll say it's been 15 years um, since I've been a staff member in the movement. Um, so my thoughts here are 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 in no way insidery um, or, or sort of um, you know uh, inside scoops, but just as a member of the LGBTQ community, I would say that um, I have this this internal dissonance because I have a great sense of appreciation for how far we have come in my lifetime, which feels like, you know, a relatively um, short time period because I'm so young. Um, but, uh, you know, we really have come a very, very yeah. long way um, in, uh, in a relatively short period of time as a movement. And I'm incredibly concerned about um, what we're seeing in terms of really strong anti-LGBTQ policies that are cropping up across the country, and I would say especially the wave of anti-trans uh, legislation and just the real and devastating impact that that is and will have on um, trans kids and adults. So it's a time of, um, <laughs> uh, I guess, sense-making about where we are as a country and why. You know, sometimes glaciers move slowly, but they do move mountains. Mm. So, you know, uh, you know, we've, we've spoken a lot about your work. I'm kind of curious to know, I know our listeners would be curious to know, what is something about you personally that might surprise our audience to find out? Hmm. 
you know, I'll, I'll admit, I sometimes struggle with this question because I, I, I don't want to make any assumptions about what would or wouldn't be um, surprising to somebody about me okay, based on the, the little that they know about me um, or, or share something superficial like, you know, I like to ski or I was a, a cheerleader in high school and both of those things are true. Um, okay. So I guess what I'll say is that um, it might surprise folks to know that I have never been one to um, kind of map out or meticulously plan my career. Um, and I always struggled with the where will you be in five years question in interviews or in conversation um, because I didn't really ever have an answer to that question, um, including the fact that I didn't anticipate that I would serve as a nonprofit CEO. Um, I have always been somebody who has tried to be, and I think <laughs> have have been um, really open to life's serendipity. Um, and I've made pretty instinctual decisions about questions of what's next for myself. Um, I, I think that's probably a little less true the older that I get, uh, but it was very true early in my career. And it wasn't because I wasn't focused or hardworking or serious about my career. So I guess I share that um, in case there's somebody listening, um, maybe somebody early in their career who um, may be feeling a little bit sheepish about their lack of a predetermined path, um, because I think there's no shame in it. Uh, and it really doesn't mean that you're directionless. It just right. means that your sense of direction is more intuitive. Um, and I would argue uh, that means that it's something that you have to check in with yourself on on a more regular basis yeah. so that you're being intentional about each step that you're taking and why. Well, as someone who followed a similar path in the mm -hmm. sense that where I am today is not anywhere near where I thought I would be several decades ago, mm -hmm. I 100% I relate 100% relate to that. But some sometimes you have to have that life experience to know enough about where to change directions. Mm -hmm. You you can map it all out. But until you experience that where you thought you were gonna end up uh, may not even be the right place anymore. So uh, I think uh, I think your path is probably very similar to many others mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, that maybe had a had a direction and discovered when they got there, it wasn't the direction they were headed. Well, I agree with both of you. I think life is a, yeah. is a wonderful journey. I mean, it definitely has its ups and downs. Yeah. You never know if you're going to, or when you're going to go off of, uh, you know, the, the turnpike that you're driving a hundred miles an hour and when you got to divert and it's just a journey. I, I think yeah. that your, your way that you articulated that was absolutely fantastic. And I, I just found myself. So thank you. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, and we always like to finish our show by asking you one question. What is something that we didn't ask you that you wish we had? Well, I so appreciate that question. Um, uh, it's one that I always like to ask when I'm interviewing somebody because I, I think it's uh, fun and interesting to let somebody set their own agenda. Um, so I think we've covered a lot in terms of my career. So maybe maybe what we haven't talked about is what brings me joy outside of my work. Um, so I'll share that I, I love to travel. I love to read. Um, I mentioned I love to ski. Uh, I love to eat good food and drink good wine. Um, 
And I love exploring cities around the world, uh, uh, including my adopted now hometown of Baltimore, which I moved to about five years ago. Wow, and and thank you for all of that. It was it's been really fantastic. And uh, we'll be right back after this. We are a team that has had an enduring influence on the nonprofit industry for more than three decades. We pride ourselves on developing and delivering technology with a purpose. Software born of a genuine understanding and passion for cause. We are relentlessly dedicated to our client's success. We are with our clients for good. We are Ariva, tech with purpose, driven by cause. Ariva is the trusted advisor and market leader of fundraising, donor relationship management, and auction software and services. Exceed further, our evolutionary all-in-one digital fundraising and donor relationship management software is helping nonprofits worldwide further their mission, transform fundraising, and cultivate relationships with donors and constituents. Our Maestro Auction virtual, live, and silent auction software, text-to-bid, virtual and mobile bidding software, and text-to-fund, text-based donation software are helping nonprofits raise billions of dollars through thousands of virtual fundraising events, charity auctions, and galas. Visit Ariva.com and reach out today and see how Ariva can help your nonprofit organization go further. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's time for our Ask the Maestro segment where we take questions from you. The listeners, Jay, what question do you have for us today? Well, David, when we get these questions, typically you or I answer these, but I think this is a question we'd like to have Ann answer, Ann, if you, if you don't mind. And it comes, sure. it, it comes from uh, Susan, and she wants to know, how do you engage board members in fundraising? Yeah, um, so... Uh... We at BoardSource get asked this question a lot um, because uh, fundraising is important and board members are often uniquely well positioned um, to help with our fundraising efforts. And yeah. and so we need their help. Um, I guess there's not an easy um, or one size fits all answer here, um, but maybe there's an answer within that, which is it's not one size fits all. And I think one of the mistakes that we sometimes make when we go to engage the board in fundraising is we try to ask every single board member to do the same thing. Um, and it's not to say that that's bad, um, you know, asking, for example, every board member to provide three ideas of potential donors, um, you know, that could be invited to participate in an upcoming donor drive or event. Um, it's not bad. It just doesn't necessarily encourage folks to see the, the importance of their individual efforts. And so when I work with boards or with executives around engaging um, or have given advice around engaging um, uh, board members more in fundraising, I try to encourage uh, an, a really individualized approach that thinks about each individual board member and says, where is this person best positioned to be helpful? And mm -hmm. how do I make a really specific ask to them to do those one, two, or three things. Um, and I think it does a few things. One, um, it increases the likelihood that they can be successful because you're actually asking them something that they're well positioned to do. Um, it makes them feel seen and valued, um, which then ties to the third, which is it increases the likelihood that they'll actually do it because there's this sense of, well, this is my list. And if this doesn't get done, 
by me, it's not going to get done. Um, and I think that creates this sense of urgency, accountability, buy-in um, that that honestly feeds on itself because part of what you're trying to do when building board engagement and fundraising is creating a sense of success and, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of the momentum that comes from feeling good about that success. So if I were to give one piece of advice, that would be it. There's probably a lot more I could say about it though, right. but I'd start there. Well, so, such a, such a great answer. I know that in my work with auctions, uh, I always ask the clients to see if you can get the board members at the very least to attend your galas at the very least see and be seen. It's important for everyone there to know, Oh, our board members are supporting this mission. Therefore I can feel comfortable supporting the mission. And if possible, get them to even host a table or at least uh, be a table captain, maybe not necessarily buy the table and host it, but at least fill the table with like-minded people. I, I call the term OPM, other people's money. Because mm -hmm. if, if you're just going internally and asking the board members to basically be the, the funders, if you will, you'll burn those board members out pretty quickly. But if you ask those board members to reach out and engage other people's money as part of the, the gala, um, it's it's more the connection that's important rather than their funding that's important. So that's just my my two mm -hmm. cents uh, worth. Uh, and, and Susan, thank you so much for for that great question. And Anne, thank you for, for answering it. We sure appreciate it. It was great, great advice. If you have a question you'd like to have us uh, ask our guest or David and I to answer uh, on for uh, Ask the Maestro, please go ahead and uh, send it to us and we'll uh, hopefully uh, find it on another show. Hey, thanks for that, Jay. And Anne, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today. Just really great. You're truly amazing. Um, Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation and great to be in conversation with you both. We really enjoyed having you here. Thanks for sharing your insight on some very important topic and also uh, a little bit about you, about you personally. Appreciate you sharing that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And um, we also want to just thank all of our listeners for joining us today. And as always, we want to thank our fantastic sponsors, Ariva and Microsoft. Make sure you stay tuned for the next episode of Driven by Cause by hitting that subscribe button. Make it a great day.